You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Welcome back to Private Parts Unknown, a podcast that explores love and sexuality around the world. I'm Courtney Kosak. And I'm Sophia Alexandra. Hello, privates. We have a very special Galentine's Day episode for you. So we want to dive into the history of every gal's best friend, the vibrator. Oh, yes. Privates. This is an exciting tale full of myths, lies, repression, gutsiness, dope women, and of course, orgasms. It's a tale as old as time. That's ancient history. Literally. Before we get started, though, we want to shout out the excellently researched and cited article called The Short History of the Vibrator by Jen Bell for Hello Clue, which was published on December 5th, 2021. We read a lot to prepare for this episode, and her article was the best resource we found. So it's formed the basis of this ep. Whenever you hear us read a quote without attribution, it's from Jen Bell's piece. And the link to it is in the episode comments if you want to give it a read. We'll also be citing Hallie Lieberman's 2020 piece, Almost Everything You Know About the Invention of the Vibrator is Wrong for the New York Times, and Martha Henrique's 2018 BBC article, The Vibrator, From Medical Tool to Revolutionary Sex Toy. And they are linked in the episode description as well. Now let's start vibing. You might have heard the delicious rumor that Cleopatra invented the vibrator between 69 and 30 BC. Oh my God, that's so 69. funny. 69. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> On point. <laughs> She was like, this is going to be symbolic. When she used a gourd filled with bees to stimulate herself, the original buzz, buzz, buzz. (laughs) Man, I would have hated to be the servant who had to cram all those bees in that gourd. (laughs) Yes, this story is rad as fuck, which is why it's been repeated and reprinted in a ton of different places. But unfortunately, there are no ancient writings or archaeological finds that mention Cleopatra's OG vibe. And in the 1992 Encyclopedia of Unusual Sex Practices, which was the first place the claim is made, the author Brenda Love didn't cite any sources. Okay, Brenda, we are a little mad at you for being a liar, but (laughs) (laughs) we do like that your last name is Love because it's Valentine's Day. And we are super impressed that you still invented a gourd full of bees. I would love to know what archives she was digging in for that little factoid. (laughs) Whoa! I found a treasure map on my hand! During the 6th century BC, Greek physician Arateus thought that the womb could move freely around a woman's body, causing ill physical and mental health. Wow, I bet being married to him was awesome. (laughs) Yeah, that guy really knew what he was doing. And since then, quote-unquote hysteria has been used to describe a multitude of ailments, especially in women, from aggression to fainting to nymphomania to farting. Okay. (laughs) Can we talk about how from now on I'm going to blame all my farts on hysteria? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. All right, stop with the hysteria, would you please? That's so funny. The term comes from the Greek hysterica, meaning uterus, Many links have been made between vibrators and the diagnosis of hysteria, which brings us to our next myth 
a thousand years into the future. I'm sure we've all heard the classic story that vibrators were invented by doctors in the 1800s so they could masturbate hysterical women to orgasm, giving their tired little doctor fingies a break. However, that is all a myth. I was shocked to learn this. Me too. This myth has been propagated so widely over the past two decades that it's actually taught in universities and referred to as fact in academic writing. Well, actually, the problem is, is that the myth does originate in fact. And the fact is that English physician Joseph Mortimer Granville invented an electric vibrator in 1883, although Dr. George Taylor's steam-powered manipulator <laughs> table massager <laughs> was already in use in France, of course, and the U.S. Um, love your commitment to the table massager, Dr. George Taylor, but please do not put hot steam anywhere near anyone's pussy. <laughs> he was the original Gwyneth. <laughs> <laughs> also, okay, break to say two things. First of all, I love the show 1883 if you're not watching it. And how funny is the manipulator as like the original vibrator name? The manipulator. It's <laughs> very dark for something that's just supposed to... Well, we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So anyway, you might have heard of Granville from the 2011 movie Hysteria, but the movie, which is based on Rachel Maine's 1998 book, The Technology of Orgasm, isn't factual. Rachel Maine's herself said this. People just loved my hypothesis, and that's all it is, really. It's a hypothesis that women were treated with massage for this disease, hysteria, and that the vibrator was invented to treat this disease. Well, people just thought this was such a cool idea that people believe it, that it's like a fact. And I'm like, it's a hypothesis. It's a hypothesis. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to me. <laughs> Historian Helen King has found no evidence that doctors ever stimulated their patients as a hysteria treatment in ancient or classical times. And as Hallie Lieberman, the author of Buzz, The Stimulating History of the Sex Toy, said that even if it did exist, clitoral massage was not a common medical procedure. After extensive research, Lieberman has never found any proof of a doctor using a vibrator to stimulate a patient's clitoris to orgasm. She did tell BBC Futures Martha Henriquez in her article, The Vibrator from Medical Tool to Revolutionary Sex Toy, that there may have been, quote unquote, sketchy doctors who assaulted patients. <laughs> and honestly, aren't there always? I am looking at you, Larry Nassar. <laughs> <laughs> But Martha did say, and I quote, that there's no evidence that the use of vibrators for masturbation was ever a medically condoned treatment. Okay, but I have seen enough popular culture that's yeah. convinced you otherwise. <laughs> also, I don't trust men. Okay. <laughs> In fact, Lieberman has been trying to kill this myth by publishing extensively researched articles and devoting a couple pages to debunking it in her book, Buzz, The Stimulating History of the Sex Toy, but it still lives on. And you might be wondering, who cares, right? Like, what's the big deal? It's a weird-ass story that we've all really committed ourselves to. <laughs> what's the harm in this myth being perpetuated? But here's the deal. 
Lieberman wrote a great argument in her 2020 New York Times article, Almost Everything You Know About the Invention of the Vibrator is Wrong. And she talks about the harm that the myth perpetuates like this. The harmful idea that women are naturally sexually ignorant and that women who do have sexual knowledge and drive are outliers has been the basis for repressive laws throughout history. From adultery laws that punish only women to honor killings, to recent restrictions on birth control and abortion. All these laws and violence are about punishing women who have sex for pleasure, not procreation. Yikes. Yeah. And uh, Lieberman also talks about the fact that people like the myth because it makes us feel good about like society and the progress we've made, you know, when it comes to sex. Because it makes it seem like, oh, the evolution is a straight line. It goes from, as Lieberman says, quote, from repression to enlightenment, end quote. And, you know, with that kind of view, we can just easily pat ourselves on the back for being better than the Victorians. <laughs> but we know this problem on an intimate level currently because of this podcast. For example, Instagram and Facebook consistently kick off their platform accounts that not only belong to sex workers, but also accounts that just use the word sex. Yeah, you can actually hear about that in our series, LA Sex Work State of the Union. I mean, it's ridiculous to be a woman in my 30s living in a supposedly free country who has to type the word hex instead of sex or spell it segs, S-E-G-G-S. I mean, we have to do that on our Instagram account. It's ridiculous. I've never felt stupider than doing that, honestly. <laughs> you can advertise dick pills, but not sex toys. I mean, what is happening? Yeah, that makes zero sense. Sex ed is still considered a controversial and somehow political issue. And despite the fact that abstinence-only education has been proven to not work, it's still a frequent platform issue for conservative Republicans. And honestly, we just don't have the time to talk about abortion restrictions that are happening as we record this episode. But you should listen to our episode about it called The Abortion Monologues. Yeah, we can't let this myth of a perfect forward trajectory in regards to our sex evolution make us complacent as citizens and people. There is still a lot of work to do. Cokes, can you believe it's 2022? I mean, what is happening? I know. But the good thing is, is it is a time for new beginnings and it's probably time that you bring that attitude to the bedroom, hey. especially because Valentine's Day is coming up. Ooh, yeah, I'm ready to start fresh in the bedroom. The Valentine Couples Box is a one-stop shop for all your sexy Valentine's Day essentials. Don't waste hours researching lubes, vibrators, and accessories. Just grab a Valentine Couples Box and you will be all set for a spectacular night. She's not kidding because the box has everything. I mean, literally everything. You can paint each other with edible chocolate CBD body paint and have each other for dessert. Yum. If you are a fan of nipple play like your girl here, you can make each other's night with a fun feather tickler or sex kitten nipple bells, which I love. They're adjustable and you just don't really get nipple clamps in boxes very often because they don't think freaky people are out there, I guess. I don't know. Well, we're out here and those nipple bells are so dope, super hot, and you can even enhance your sex with some vibration. The couple's box comes with a beautiful heart-shaped vibrator 
and your choice of a dual arousal cock ring or a red rose anal plug, and you know your girls love anal plugs. (laughs) Yeah, we do. But I do want to highlight the heart-shaped vibrator because it's from Zalo, and that's one of our favorite sex toy companies. It's really, really nice and beautifully detailed, like 24 karat gold details. Like they're not fucking around in a lot of vibration patterns and it is pretty strong. It's like a really great little hideaway vibrator. Plus, like a kitten has you covered when it comes to lube. Y'all are gonna be slip sliding around the bedroom because you can choose from their pure four pack lube essentials kit or bliss anal glide lube. Ooh, sexy. It's really a great box to break those habits that have gotten stale in the bedroom. Plus, it comes with two erotic games, which are really fun to inspire you to play in different ways. One is a box of sex position cards and includes such hits as Tuck and Grind, Sea Turtle, Upside Down Cake, Tightened Embrace, and The Figurehead. (laughs) If you need me, I'll be doing the Sea Turtle for the next 200 years. (laughs) Like a Kitten's mission is to help women own their power in all areas of life. A portion of all sales goes to charities that focus on women's empowerment, education, and health. So you can feel good about feeling good. I love a good mission. And right now, Like a Kitten is offering our listeners 20% off and free shipping when you go to likeakitten.com slash private or enter code private at checkout. Surprise your partner with an amazing Valentine couples box. Just go to likeakitten.com slash private or use code private to get 20% off. Likeakitten.com slash private. The link is in this episode's description. Okay, now back to 1883 and Dr. Granville. So you may be asking, if the vibrator wasn't for making women orgasm, what the hell was the vibe for? (laughs) Turns out, surprisingly for men. What? Okay. Granville used it to treat sexual dysfunction, but on men only. And one reason for that is that men's sexuality wasn't considered shameful, but women's was. After all, during this time, some doctors even removed clitorises to treat nymphomania. Okay, when I was typing this sentence out after doing the research, I almost threw up several times. (laughs) I do not blame you. So (laughs) here's the deal. Even though many vibrators came with, quote, dildo-like attachments, these were officially to treat uterine complaints and constipation. I mean, I think what we're not saying out loud is that those were probably just men getting off in their butt and not treating constipation. <laughs> Gay just men. wanted to throw that out there. Truly uh, I mean, sexually revolutionary. <laughs> good for you. Yeah, <laughs> but <good>. okay, <laughs> let's get real though. Did everyone know that women were actually using vibrators for sweet, sweet solo pussy play? Um, the answer is yes. But it was illegal in the U.S. under the 1873 Comstock Act to sell vibrators as a sexual appliance because it was considered obscene. So interesting to hear about the Comstock Act again after our episode with Caitlin Bailey when she was talking about how that was used to repress sex workers. Yes. And if that sounds archaic to you, hold up. We have more. (laughs) (laughs) Alabama lawmakers in 1998 
passed a law that prohibits the sale of any device, quote, designed or marketed as useful primarily for the stimulation of human genital organs, unquote, under the penalty of a $10,000 fine and one year in jail. Holy shit. Yeah, that's crazy. And just in case you think this is a joke, because it sounds like one, at least two women have been arrested. Can you imagine having to write on your all your future job applications that your arrest was for just trying to jerk off? That's so <laughs> fucked. <laughs> I feel like people would be like, um, you can have a job. <laughs> exactly, right? I mean, but who knows? Maybe not. And Alabama's not alone because, of course, there is Texas. <laughs> and in Texas, even though a judge in 2008 stated that the state's anti-vibrator law from 1973 is, quote, unconstitutional and unenforceable, end quote. The law is still in effect. Oh, my God. But back to the Comstock Act and its effects. So instead of being explicit about the sexual use of vibrators, coded language and suggestion was used to imply what everyone already knew. For example... A 1908 ad for the Babout vibrator promised that it was invented by, quote, a woman who knows a woman's needs, unquote. Uh, is this how you say <laughs> lesbian in 1908? <laughs> that's literally what I was thinking. <laughs> also, though, that's actually good marketing. You know what I mean? They knew what they were doing. Oh, it's great marketing. I just don't think they knew that <laughs> their staff was all lesbian. <laughs> Anyway, but you know what else suggests that vibrators were commonly used by women to masturbate? There is writings that they found by gynecologist and sex researcher Robert Latou Dickinson, and he was aware that his patient used an electric vibrator and did not comment on it as being strange. So it seems that, yeah, it wasn't that uncommon. And another much less cool doctor, Edwin Hirsch, wrote about his fear that the ulterior motives behind his female patient's vibratories was, quote, for the <laughs> masturbatory action and the resulting voluptuous sensations, end quote. Okay, Hirsch, jealous much? Yeah, I think so. Ironically, manufacturers advertise vibrators for pretty much everything but masturbation? In the 1900s, vibrators were like CBD is today, sold and marketed as a cure-all. As Martha Henriquez writes, quote, pamphlets proclaim their effectiveness against insomnia, paralysis, <laughs> neuralgia, epilepsy, consumption, sciatica, <laughs> lumbago, gout, deafness, vomiting, constipation, hemorrhoids, and sore throats. It was good for the liver and even health problems in children. End quote. End quote. Honestly, I'm going to have to look up at least half of those diseases. <laughs> I know. I love the old-timey diseases. Lum Neuralgia. or lumbago <laughs> sounds like, like, uh, like fun. It sounds like I'm delicious. Sure it's not good, but it sounds fun. It does sound like a food. Yeah. It does. Yeah. You want a little lumbago with a little side of. <laughs> Give me some sauce I can dip my lumbago into. <laughs> uh, and these ads sound totally, obviously, hyperbolic and crazy, but they were everywhere. And in legitimate papers. I mean, they were in the New York Times, they were in different Christian publications. Good housekeeping even reviewed a bunch of models. And you could order them from catalogs. Uh, you could buy them from department stores. 
And that is, of course, until the party stopped because doctors realized that vibrators didn't do any of that stuff. <laughs> no lumbago, no paralysis, no gout, no constipate. Well, I don't know. Who knows about that? But <laughs> the American Medical Association had to step in and they denounced vibrators as quackery in 1915. So the vibrator industry was pretty fucked and they had to pivot even more aggressively to targeting consumers. Hey, Soph, I know you've been wanting to learn about squirting, and I have the perfect guide for you. Okay, you sound like someone that has been on Beducated. <laughs> Busted! <laughs> you guys, Beducated is like the Netflix of sexual wellness, and Sophie and I cannot get enough. Yes, they believe that sexual happiness is trainable, which I love. And they're just a really cool online course platform that has easy to follow video, audio, and written guides. Yeah, they provide techniques and information so that you can level up your love life. And they have an expert-backed library of courses from Tantra to kink to anal sex to explore new practices and upgrade your lovemaking skills. Meow. <laughs> <laughs> and you get unlimited access to their online courses, plus 100 hours of video and audio content and tips from world-renowned educators with new content every week, not to mention that all the videos are high quality streaming on every device you could possibly watch them on. Oh my God, I just had an orgasm. Oh, you guys, you know, I am just getting started on Beducated and I have already learned so much stuff that is taking my relationship and my sex life to the next level. So privates, here's a hot tip. You can join Beducated for as little as $9.99 per month when you use our code private. That's 65% off when you use our coupon code private at beducated.com. That's Beducated, B-E-D-U-C-A. TED.com and use code private. The link is in our episode description. The next major shifts in vibrator history occurred in the 1950s when Kinsey published his book Sexual Behavior in the Human Female in 1953, and it included his finding that 62% of the women surveyed had masturbated, though he didn't mention vibrators in his research. You said nothing about a vibrator. Which is actually a pretty glaring omission because during this time, vibrators were being peddled to women as the same kind of cure-all that was previously only reserved for men. Yay, progress! <laughs> An ad for the Arnold vibrator promised that with their vibe, quote, every woman can have a faultless complexion and youthful, finely proportioned figure. There's no further need of powder, paint, pads, and other deceptions. Hey, if you don't need makeup... <laughs> <laughs> I'll be in my bedroom. Or other deceptions. Oh my God. It's like I know. All right, dude. Like, you're tricking me, okay? Stop yeah, tricking exactly. me with your feminine wiles. <laughs> <laughs> that huge pile of bullshit is what made the FDA finally step in. And in 1958, as part of their crackdown, falsely labeled vibrators were seized and manufacturers <laughs> had to change their marketing. I would be the first FDA agent to be like, I'm taking these, okay, for research. I am going door to door. I don't like labels. <laughs> you um, open that you go to that person's house in their closet. There's just like 150 vibes. Oh, I was just, <laughs> these are for police stuff. So 
It's like how cops seize drugs and then yeah. do the drugs. <laughs> Stand by the table, like so proud of their drugs. It's like us in a table of vibrators. We're like, we got all these. <laughs> and it's the last time anyone sees the vibrators or the drugs because they're going to immediately then we be just used. start like vibrating as we walk around. They're like, they seem weird after the... <laughs> After they seized all those vibes, they've been shaking. <laughs> Something changed. We don't know what it is. <laughs> um. Anyway, fun fact. Sears, which made their own vibrator in 1956. I love everything about that. I wish I had the original Sears vibrator. I know. But what I love about Sears is they were one of the only honorable brands because all they promised was, quote, a great to be alive feeling. I mean, honestly, where's the lie, Sears? <laughs> no lie. Probably some lead, though. Probably some lead in that original vibrator. <laughs> a touch of the asbestos, just a little bit. Yeah. They're like, it gives you cancer, but it does feel great to be alive. <laughs> but things were starting to look up in the 60s, especially after the FDA approved the first oral contraceptive in 1960. As the birth control pill became widely available and people started being less uptight about sex before marriage, the attitudes towards masturbation began to change as well. Yeah, and I love that an artist helped with the shift. Betty Dotson was an artist and a sex educator who began teaching her women-only body sex workshop in New York City in the late 1960s. She basically taught women how to masturbate first with an Oster, then a Panasonic Panabrator, which is just so fun to say, uh, Panasonic <laughs> Panabrator. <laughs> and then she switched in the mid-70s, she switched to that very famous Hitachi Magic Wand, which she helped make famous. The Panasonic Panabrator sounds like an IMAX in your pussy. <laughs> the views are incredible. That should be their... <laughs> That should be their slogan. <laughs> we'll show you up and down these valleys. Okay. Uh, 1974 was a good year for women. In a 1974 article in Ms. Magazine, Dodson offered that masturbation was a great way for women to rediscover the knowledge of their own sexual pleasure, despite society's consistent denial of women's sexual agency. Also in 1974, Del Williams after taking one of Dotson's workshops, was inspired to open the first woman-owned and woman-operated sex toy business in America, Eve's Garden. Yeah. That is so badass. Eat this apple. <laughs> Del Williams said that she opened her sex boutique after a sales boy at Macy's got too up in her business <laughs> when she tried to buy a Hitachi wand there. <laughs> How rude. But also, thanks, you nosy bastard. <laughs> Not for you. We wouldn't have gotten Eve's garden. Yeah, that was clutch. We salute you, nosy bastard. Okay, fine. So 1974 was a bit of a mixed bag because that year, a U.S. study found that even though, quote, 61% of women surveyed masturbated, a quarter of them said they felt guilty, perverted, or feared going insane from doing it, unquote. <laughs> Can you imagine how insane we would be if that was true, Coax? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to say I never feel guilty, perverted, or fear going insane, but not for masturbating. Ha 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 
Cokes. How are you and Wade doing? Oh my God, Sophia, his cock looks amazing. Okay, not what I asked, but go on. Well, I can just hardly help but tell everybody I meet because he started using original boner gel. And I gotta tell you, it's the ultimate skincare for men to rejuvenate their golden rod. And I gotta look at that thing this weekend. I mean, I'm speechless. I'm so glad to hear a real testimonial. Is that an overshare? No. I needed a testimonial from a friend because I've been reading about Original Boner Gel and it is the most advanced luxury skincare product for men, specifically targeting your skincare needs below the belt. OBG's naturally inspired breakthrough formula uses collagen, organic vitamin E oil, apple stem cells, and Butia Superba to remove wrinkles and make your cock look beautifully hydrated. So I gotta ask, Cokes, does Wade's cock look 10 years younger? Oh my God, 12 at least. And it (laughs) smells delicious. The delicious smell of OBG, it gets you so horny. It's like an immediate aphrodisiac because it's made from the finest essential oil. You know what I love about OBG? I love that it can function as a high quality oil-based lube. So you can rub one out as you give your cock a facelift. That's actually my favorite part about OBG. It's so multidimensional, it can just shift into being a lube. So you're ready at any moment. And Privates, we have a deal for you because Original Boner Gel is offering our listeners 20% off your order when you go to OriginalBonerGel.com and enter code PRIVATE at checkout. That's OriginalBonerGel.com and use code PRIVATE to get 20% off your new favorite dick skincare. Wait, you've come a long way. We're doing a whole ad about your dick. (laughs) He's a star. You're a star. He's doing a dance. He's doing a dance. (laughs) A polishing dance. (laughs) Oh my God, I'm loving it. I'm picturing like car wash kind of motions. Exactly. great. (laughs) OriginalBonerGel.com, code private. On to the 80s, privates. Yeah, yeah. In 1983, not only was the world blessed with the birth of Cokes, but also (laughs) the import of the first dual action vibrator to the United States by a company called Vibratex. Company owner Shea Martin says theirs was the first imported vibrator that provided simultaneous clitoral and vaginal stimulations. Meow. If the name Vibratex doesn't ring a bell, you'll definitely recognize the name of their revolutionary vibrator, a.k.a. the rabbit. The rabbit was one of several cute, brightly colored animal vibrators made by Vibratex to get around Japan's obscenity laws, along with his friends, the turtle, the kangaroo, and the beaver. Oh. <laughs> the beaver seems a little too on the nose. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how that made it through the sensors, but the rabbit's signature ears on the clitoral attachment weren't just a stylistic choice. Rabbits are actually considered lucky in Japanese culture. I love that. And also, I read this cute little fact that Shay Martin, the owner of Vibratex, was also born in the Chinese year of the rabbit. Oh, that's a cute detail. A little winky wink. (laughs) Yeah. And although the rabbit was imported in 1983 for the first time, it blew up after guest starring on an episode of Sex and the City in 1998. 
Okay, but how does this vibrator have more credits than me? <laughs> this vibrator is a working actor. <laughs> I'm like legitimately upset. <laughs> this vibrator is in SAG. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Got its SAG card away before me. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> you do everything so well. <laughs> I mean, it's a double threat at the least. <laughs> I get it, you know. It's on its way to an EGOT, and I get it. <laughs> but legitimately, though, the reason it got featured so prominently was because it was a really good <laughs> vibrator. The producers chose specifically the Rabbit Pearl, which had rotating pearls at the bottom of the shaft. And not only was that vibrator a bestseller, which was one reason why they chose it, but also they interviewed a bunch of people and it was consistently brought up as like very, very awesome. I love that. Survey says rabbit. <laughs> if you didn't see that episode, it's the one where Charlotte gets addicted to the vibrator. Hey, 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 the vibrator, it's not like it's cracked. Which I think they thought was like, oh my God, Charlotte, the nice one. But how could you blame her? So where are we today? Well, things are definitely looking up. There are tons of women and sex-positive adult stores, including LGBT-owned ones. And in America, you can buy a vibrator after picking up your pills at Rite Aid. Not to mention how easy and discreet it is to buy vibrators online. Honestly, bless the access currently. <laughs> yes, thank you, internet. However, let's not get too ahead of ourselves or too excited because in the U.S., birth control and sex toys for women are still heavily regulated while men's erectile dysfunction medications are advertised all over the place. Actually, Dame, which is a vibrator company, sued the New York subway system because of that. Yep. So, And we love Dame. We love Dame. Way to go, guys. Another woman-owned company, actually. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's nice to know that Dell Williams's uh, legacy lives on, you know? Yeah, totally. Jen Bell wrote this that definitely made us think. She said, quote, vibrator use is common among heterosexual, lesbian, and bisexual women. Although we have little information about vibrator's history as it pertains to folks outside the gender binary, end quote. This is a really good point because even though this is a Galentine's Day episode, really, we are not trying to promote vibrators as just for women. They are for everybody. Nor are we <laughs> trying to promote the gender binary. <laughs> exactly. Um, not to mention that vibrators are still sold under euphemistic names like, you know, personal massagers or novelties. And female masturbation is still frequently seen and portrayed in media as gross, embarrassing, or is just like a really shitty substitute for penetrative heterosex. Destigmatize vibes. Destigmatize vibes. <laughs> Outside of the U.S., there are many other places where sex toys are prohibited or their legality is unclear, including the Maldives, the United Arab Emirates, Saudi Arabia, Thailand, Malaysia, India, Vietnam, and Mauritius. And even in Belize, 
there is a lot of shame and stigma associated uh, as we learned from our recent trip there. Yeah. And people actually don't know if it's legal or not. And the person that we met that has her own sex toy business had to call the police and called a lawyer to see if she could actually do this. And it operates pretty underground. Yes, uh, just through a Facebook page, which is, you know, a lot of how this happens. In Malaysia, for example, there is a pretty bustling underground sex toy trade as well. And I think it's important to note that a lot of these places are influenced by Sharia law, which is one reason why the obscenity stuff is so harsh there. Mm hmm. All right. Well, thank you, Privates, for taking this trip down Vibrator Lane with us. Yes, it was so fun. Even <laughs> the parts that made us want to die a little bit. <laughs> happy Valentine's Day and happy Valentine's Day, Privates. We love you so, so much. And we absolutely adore making this show for you. Truly, you are all our Valentines. And we are so grateful that we get to make this show for you. We do want to ask you for a Valentine because our show costs money to make. We pay Mike, our editor, Holly, our social media manager, star, newsletter, captain. Creative assistant. She keeps us on track. She's awesome. And we actually want to take a trip to Antarctica. So we want to use some of this money to fund a very expensive but very cool trip that we would like to share with you all. So in addition to paying Mike and Holly, we, we want to take you guys to the fucking South Pole. And to do that, we need a little cash. And the way you could help us do that is by helping us get some pod cash. Yes, private. Okay, so tis true. As Sophia mentioned, the show ain't cheap to make. As you know, we run ads on the show, but it's not nearly enough to cover our expenses, and that's doubly so when we travel. But we are actually up for a source of funding called Podcash. I don't know if you've heard about the short-form audio platform Racket, but it's new. You can download it in the App Store. I have downloaded it. It's pretty cool. And the money management software Stir have started Podcash, and we are up for some funding. And we would like your help because we need some love letters to let them know that we have a lot of privates who love the show and love what we do. And what you privates can do is write us a love letter and please do not go easy on the compliments. Extra compliments, privates and guac. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, Podcash is looking for love letters from listeners of the shows that are up for this funding because they want to know that people listen and love the show. And we have a ton of privates that listen and love the show. And so all you can do is basically write a tiny review. You don't even have that many characters. It's 280 max. But even if you write five words, even if you just write, I love this show or Courtney and Sophia create the best content or I love what they say about love and sexuality, any of that is perfect. Just click the link in the episode description and you'll be able to enter a short little love letter and that's all. And it helps us so, so much. And then you'll get to hear episodes from freaking Antarctica. Yeah, that's going to be sick because from what we've read, they fuck, okay? <laughs> they fuck Those scientists over there. are crazy. So it's very, very important. And um, <laughs> someone's got to explore it. And it's we want it to be us. So please click the link and write us. It's literally as short as a tweet. And if you just want to recycle those compliments... 
head on over to ratethispodcast.com slash private and just leave it as a review as well. We would also appreciate that. Cut and paste that bitch. (laughs) Work. Make it work, okay? (laughs) And we will be back with another episode from our Mind Trip series. We are getting deep into the world of psychedelics. Please join us on our trip. It's truly been eye-opening. I cried while Courtney cried on the last episode. Like, truly, you have to hear it. I cried just because she cried. It was amazing. Yes. If you haven't listened to the last episode, I know it's like an hour and 20 minutes, but it's so worth it because you get to hear all about my experience at my first ayahuasca ceremony. And it is a ride. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Sophia, what's that bomb-ass music? This music is by our bomb-ass friend, Amy Rosh. You can check her music out and get her albums on our website. It's amyraasch.com. This episode was mixed by Mike Castaneda from Plastic Audio. We Michael, be my valentine! You, be my valentine, Michael! Please I- leave your <laughs> wife and eight children for me! I love the metal version, but I think what we've also learned recently is I'm a soprano and you're a bass. (laughs) (laughs) If you can call whatever deranged noises I make with my mouth bass, it's guttural. (laughs) It is guttural. (laughs) Is is that like a like a tone in choir? (laughs) Right. There's alto, soprano, bass, and guttural. And And it's just me coming in going, Monster noises. (laughs) Just Rob zombieing the (laughs) shit out of it. And we also want to shout out our lovely creative assistant, Holly Brown. Like we mentioned, she helps us with social media, the newsletter. And she's also a very funny stand-up comedian. Definitely. You can check out her show, Salty AF Show, on Instagram. And check out her Instagram, Holly Brown Comedy, for some of her jokes. And while you're there, make sure to follow the show. We are at Private Parts Unknown on Instagram and at Private Parts Un on Twitter. My personal socials are at the Sophia, T-H-E-S-O-F-I-Y-A. And I am at Courtney Kosak, K-O-C-A-K, on all the platforms. Maybe I'm even gonna bust into TikTok. We'll see. Hey, it's gonna be crazy. <laughs> Grandma's getting into TikTok. (laughs) Get ready for the videos, kids. (laughs) Thanks for joining us. Hope you have good vibes until the next episode. Happy buzzing, privates. (laughs) Bye. Bye.